Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out today, as always, here on The Voice Reason. Really happy to have this guy back on the program. Excited uh, from Washington, D.C. as the shenanigans continue with the Biden administration. And we're getting down to the wire. Can we find a deal before we default, quote-unquote, on our debts? Excited to have on the program from the 5th Congressional District of the great state of Ohio. It's Congressman Bob Latta. Congressman, how are you, sir? Great. Thanks very much for having me on. Yeah, it's so good to talk to you, especially right now with all the stuff going on. What is the latest? The last we've heard was that we received a message from Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy to tell you, the Republicans in the House, to hang on, hang tight, and support him as he continues to negotiate with the Biden administration. As Joe Biden at first said, any type of spending cut, any type of uh, cap on government spending was a non-starter. Now it sounds like he's open to negotiating, but the radical left in the Senate are a little angry about that. What's the latest that you've heard? Well, again, you're absolutely right. You know, when the president said early on he would not negotiate, he wanted a what they call a, and it, it sounds it sounds good, a clean debt ceiling. But when you really examine what he's saying is he wants a carte blanche, I can spend as much as I want, as that that got us into this mess especially over the last few years where they spent, you know, $5 trillion and not paying for it. And the American people witnessed 9.1% inflation. They would go to the bank to get a house loan. They see it's well over 6%. All these the costs of everything's gone up. You know, energy costs have gone up. And uh, But what the president and the Democrats, especially on the left, don't understand is the American people have to pay for this. Yeah. And as you and I have discussed, when we're $31.7 trillion in debt, and within three, three and a half years, we would be paying a trillion dollars just to pay interest on the debt. So what we did as Republicans, and you know, we have a very, very small, uh, slight majority in the House of Representatives that we passed legislation saying, look, uh, we, need to do, we need to do certain things. We need to, you know, over a 10-year period, scale back uh, the spending by $4.8 trillion. We need to put a cap of just 1% on spending, just slow the growth out there. And, oh, by the way, maybe it would be a good idea for people that are able to, that are receiving help, that would, you know, you'd have work requirements on these things. And so, you know, we, all these things are out there that we need to get uh, the economy moving because, we're, you know, we're seeing a, it's, it's, it is starting to slow, even though hiring is up. But uh, when the Federal Reserve out there is, keeps raising the interest rate, and the one thing that they want to do is put one to two million people out of work, to try to bring down inflation, that's not a great way to uh, get the economy and the inflation under control. No, not at all. And people are realizing this as well. I mean, the the private market, the average American, the average worker every day is seeing what's going on with the economy, which is why they're so concerned. And the vast majority of every poll out there shows that in order to stop inflation and to get this under control is to cut spending and to stop printing money, which the Democrats obviously just don't want to hear. You guys have been out in front of this for a very long time, even though I still think we could have maybe adjusted it better uh, if the last congressional session would have not passed the bill or the budget like they did, and we could have just uh, gone into this a little bit better. But with this concern about a debt ceiling, you guys have been on on top of it with Kevin McCarthy passing a bill right away, sending it to the Senate, and with the Democrats not wanting to even look at it, you guys have shown that you're willing to negotiate, you're trying to handle this issue, you're trying to deal with it. And now I don't think the propaganda from the media and from the Democrats of blaming you guys, blaming Republicans, blaming Kevin McCarthy is going to work. The media tried to ask uh, Speaker of the House McCarthy uh, about a week ago that if we default, will he take it and own it and take the blame for it? 
that's not working. People don't see that because they see that they want some type of government cuts because there there's no way that they can sit there and say with a straight face that there is nothing that we can cut from the federal government spending. Well, <laughs> it's you know this is how Washington works. Let's just say that last year your department got a hundred dollars, and then the president comes out with his budget and says I'm going to give you a hundred and fifty dollars. And then Congress gives them 120. They say, "I got cut." <laughs> that's, yeah. Wait a minute, you you got twenty dollars more, right? But that's how Washington works. It, and uh, so, what we have to have really meaningful uh, cuts out there because, again, we can't keep this up. You know, we owe foreign creditors. You know, starting with Japan and then China is our second largest uh, our creditors out there, about seven point three four trillion dollars. And what's going to happen is, is if we have a default, uh, we're we're going to probably see the interest rates uh, go up again on the uh, our treasuries because again to get uh, countries and everybody to buy them, we're going to have to say we're going to pay you more for it. And then what will happen is that as Americans start saying, oh wait a minute, if I can get that much money on a U.S. Treasury, I'll buy a Treasury note instead of having my money in the local bank. So you're taking the money out of the local bank; they don't have the money to lend. And, oh, by the way, by you buying a U.S. Treasury, if you live in a state like Ohio that has a state income tax, you don't pay income tax on the interest on a federal treasury. Yeah, there is that. And speaking of the banks, let's go there for just a second. We're talking with Congressman Bob Lanner from the 5th District of Ohio. Let's talk about the banks and the stability of the financial institutions after some of the major banks that were collapsing, that were having a hard time. Uh, We see the Biden administration, again, finding an opportunity to try to consolidate a lot of that power in the financial institutions, but with the debt ceiling concern, with the ongoing interest rate hikes, with everything else that they're doing, how are we and will we potentially see more banks fail with all this uncertainty right now, throwing us into even a worse recession later on down the road? Well, and again, the first question, where are the regulators at? Uh, <laughs> you know, these are the, you know, we hire, we pay for these people to go out and check the check what's going on in these banks. Yeah. But when you look at the bank in California, what happened there, you know, they, they, they were kind of reversed. Instead of uh, having longer term, they were, you know, they, or they, what they should have been doing is on the shorter end. But uh, you look at the issues that occurred in these banks, it's just like, wait a minute, where, where are the regulators at that should have been examining this? You know, when you have situations where deposits, you know, I, I guess I, I'm not sure what it means when I walk into my, my bank when I'm home and it says right on the, the sticker on the door, they're saying, uh, your deposits insured up to two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and they've got in out in these banks millions and millions and millions of dollars being held. And they say, "Oh wait a minute, we can't. You can't. They can't fail. We'll lose all this money." So what they do? They say, "Well, FDIC has to step in and protect us, and that we're going to make sure that everybody's deposits are safe." And so what do they do? Then FDIC says, "If we do that, we're going to have to increase the interest or the rates." that all the banks across the country pay for FDIC. So the little banks that are in good condition are now paying this, that they have less money to, to, to lend out to their customers. And so the real question comes down to, before you know, everybody says we got to have more uh, of the uh, government come in on this, we got to find out why, why, why weren't the regulators doing their jobs making sure that they were seeing that what was happening in these banks and they shouldn't have allowed it to happen. 
Yeah, that's very strange. It sounds like smaller banks are now subsidizing larger banks, which is a very weird concept and putting more pressure, like you said, on the smaller ones, uh, which makes sense why the media says that so many small banks could potentially be shutting down because of these and more opportunity for them to consolidate. On the same front, I don't know if you followed this other piece of legislation or at least a proposal from the Democrats and the Bidens regarding the whole mortgage plan of no. subsidizing individuals with mortgages with good credit scores to subsidize those that are high risk of potential borrowers trying to expand the housing market, which seems absolutely insane, especially when we talk about all the other financial uncertainties in the banks right now. Why in the world would a bank want to take on a high risk borrower just because of a government program that's going to subsidize some of their mortgage to make someone buy a home when they can't afford buying a home or they're not good with their uh, with their finances and financially responsible. That doesn't make any sense to me. Well, on the front page of one of the Washington papers this morning, there was a story again on that whole topic again, which is ludicrous because, again, you work hard, you save, you scrimp, you, you don't spend, you, you don't run your credit card up, so you get a good credit rating, and then you go to the bank to get a loan, and they say, oh, you've done such a great job, we're going to pay, we're going to charge you more now. Uh, and it's like, what? Uh, but, uh, you know, we saw this happen, you know, if you go back to the uh, financial crisis back in 2008, i never forget reading a, a story. They were up in Canada, and they were asking Canadians and bankers up there, they said, how come you're not having the crisis that we're having in the United States? I still remember the headline. Our government doesn't make us make loans that people aren't going to pay them back. Yeah, yeah. It is insane. Think, you know, it's, uh, it's just a really quick uh, way to look at it. But when we look at the, you know, what everything with a socialist system, you know, it's like uh, you're you're taking from one to give to another, but it's not fair because it's just like what what why does hard work pay off? And that's what this whole country is about. That's hard it. work supposed to pay off. Yeah, it's it's the great success American dream. If you succeed, then do well. It's because of the hard work that you put into it. But there, we're literally setting ourselves up for another real estate bubble to burst if we go down a road like this. We're talking with Congressman Bob Latta from the 5th District of Ohio. Let's go back to the debt ceiling issue for just a second. I I have to give you guys credit because in all the years that I've paid attention to politics in Washington, D.C. And, and stuff that I've watched, i got to be honest, I've never seen the Republican Party stay so strong and so united on an issue before because usually by this point when it comes down to the game of chicken, most of the time Republicans cower and they end up falling and they waver and then they end up going along with the Democrat agenda with the fear of a government shutdown or a default or some type of issue because the Democrats usually just kind of bully their way through it. And their their concept of compromise is you get on board with everything we want or else it's your fault when we shut down. And the fact that Kevin McCarthy and, and everybody in the House right now is united and willing to go the distance right now, I applaud you guys so much for this. Uh, your prediction on the outcome of this in the next week with the June 1st potentially being that deadline, are you guys willing to stand firm all the way to the end? And if so, and if Democrats aren't willing to negotiate, what could potentially happen move, uh, moving forward? Well, I think the Republicans here are united. You know, we have, we do. We have just a, uh, just a razor-thin majority in the House of Representatives. Uh, Republicans have held on so many different pieces of legislation. We've got a lot of legislation out already this year. Some of it, probably looking at history, we've even with our slimmest of majority, that uh, we've been able to get a lot of things through the House of Representatives. Now the problem is, of course, is when we uh, look at next week. You know, next week it's it's more, well, this weekend is Memorial Day weekend, which I can't believe it's already end of the month <laughs> coming up. 
But, uh, you know, we're, we're usually slated to be back in our district working during the Memorial Day uh, work period. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm and a lot of others who are prepared that uh, they say on Thursday or Friday that uh, we're going to be here all weekend. We're going to say we're going to be all here this weekend, period. And uh, but we're, we're looking forward to getting this thing done because the American people are expecting it to get done. And we have, but again, it's it's. Um, for this country's future, we have to get this done. And, you know, when you <laughs> they showed us a clip yesterday in our uh, conference meeting from the White House briefings of how many times they kept saying the president was, was not going to negotiate or Chuck Schumer saying he wasn't going to negotiate. Yeah. And guess what they're doing now? They're negotiating. Exactly. But they wasted, they wasted months. Oh, they wasted so much time. And now we see the radicals, the AOCs and the other squad, uh, squad members, quote-unquote, that are threatening violence if we end up cutting all these social programs for individuals. But like you said to them, the cut is we're just not growing it as rapidly as what they would like to see, which is uh, pretty funny. Last couple questions here as we kind of wrap things up. But I want to shift gears a little bit at the same time while we're dealing with a debt ceiling issue and running out of money. We see the announcement that the Biden administration is sending more money and more resources over to the Ukraine. What's the latest with this? And are we getting near the end of this? I had seen a story that Ukraine maybe saw the turning point in the conflict with Russia. But where are we? And how much have we sent over there in total so far? Well, you know, one of the things that's interesting, because I, I can't remember which paper I saw it on this morning on total uh, NATO defense spending, and, you know, where countries are supposed to uh, kick up their defense spending, because that's all part of the NATO agreement. And the United States, you know, keeps up its end. And uh, Germany should be spending more than not. They were supposed to have an increase. And then, but Poland, has, of all the countries in, in Europe, has really increased their spending. Uh, because of the, you know the the, uh, the threat of, uh, of of a Russian attack, they, uh, and again as we talked in the past that uh, if uh, Putin would have been in uh, Kiev right off the bat in three to five days of that invasion, if he would have looked around because what he's trying to do is restore the quote unquote Soviet Union and take these countries back, uh, that if he would have attacked a NATO country, we'd be in a war right now because uh, of the NATO alliance. So it's, you know, hopefully, you know, the Ukrainians uh, have, as, as their, their country, they have fought, you know, men, women, older, I mean, people that are well past military age, they're all fighting. Yeah. And uh, so there's been a, uh, you know, if people want to see uh, a group of individuals fighting for their individual freedoms and in their, their country, the Ukrainians have done it. So uh, hopefully that, uh, you know, you just think that uh, how long Putin and how long are the people that are going to back him up on this? Because, you know, when you they right now they've got mercenaries fighting with the uh, for pretty much on their front. And it's pretty much, you know, you read these reports, it's horrible. Uh, it's kind of pretty much a, a grinder out there. They just send, you know, they're emptying out prisons. They say, oh, well, you want to get out of prison? Well, you go down to Ukraine to fight. And... Um, Wow. Uh, and these people, you know, the Ukrainians, when they're fighting them, it's just like, a, it's, it's like a massacre yeah. on these people. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Last question for you. I know that you uh, work a lot with the energy, climate, and grid security to, uh, uh, committees as well. Let's talk about energy for a second. We're going into Memorial Weekend. Gas prices are starting to climb again. They were already starting in the off-busy season, relatively high. Uh, they say it was a little bit lower than what we saw at this time last year, but still relatively high from what it needs to be. Uh, what does the outlook look like for gas prices and energy usage going into the summertime? And what uh, what's the latest conversation? Are we working on trying to lower them in some way, shape, or form 
without begging for more oil from OPEC? Well, if you talk to the administration, uh, we don't need oil. Oh, we don't need natural gas, and they're going to have everybody driving an electric vehicle here in a few years. <laughs> and, uh, again, uh, I have no qualms about an electric vehicle. If you want to drive one, that's fine with me. If you want to drive combustible, that's fine with me. But I say one thing. I do not want the federal government telling you what you're going to drive. Yeah. And right now, uh, you know, when you look at these reports, especially on the electric vehicle side, that, first of all, A, we don't have the rare earth minerals. We'd have to rely on communist China. To, to make these batteries. Number two, we don't have the power uh, to be able to generate it. It's, it the uh, Electric Co-op Association here in the United States, it's well over, they, they, they're telling us well over 50% more power that we need. And at the same time, you have an administration trying to shut down power plants around the country. So I'm not sure exactly how they think this, this stuff's going to materialize. So, uh, you know, when you look at, because I had uh, legislation that uh, was in, included in H.R. 1, which is our energy package, on refining, because we have to have refineries in this country. But, uh, again, this this administration, the Democrats, think that somehow we don't need it. and But we need nuclear, we need uh, clean coal, we need natural gas, we need hydro, and then you throw in all your alternatives. Yeah. But, uh, you know, on an alternative side, those are what we call intermittent power. They're, they're, or they're not, they're not base loads. That's what turns on the machines in the morning. They're more peaking. But, uh, you know, it's a good combination. But uh, to, to, to say that we're going to be, you know, without all these other base load capacity, we'll, we'll, we will not survive as a nation. No. Well, I'm still curious on when they say and consolidate everybody to electric on how we're actually going to power the electric grid, because every expert that we talk to says that if we consolidate everything onto electricity right now, the electric grid cannot sustain that in right. any way, shape or form. So I'm not quite sure why we're pushing everything there and then wondering why we're not going to be able to have a sustainable electric grid. That doesn't make any sense to me. Well, I've worked on because I serve on energy and commerce. And I've worked on uh, you know modernizing our grid. And you, but again, you go across the country. We don't, we don't have the power to put into the grid. And then also, by you know, how are you going to charge these vehicles up? How many charging stations are you going to have to have? And now I'm reading reports from you know, uh, you go to a motel, hotel overnight, and you have to charge your electric vehicle. And there, I guess there's a uh, thing going on now. Somebody will pull in next to you and go, oh, you know, just unplug your car and plug their car in. Mm -hmm. So you get up the next morning, and you're not going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> so, what a what a mess. It's crazy. What a mess. But that's the utopian dream world from the left side of the aisle, and uh, that's what they enjoy. It's Congressman Bob Latta from the 5th District of Ohio. Congressman, there's so much going on. I know you guys are working hard and fighting in Washington, D.C. Thank you for what you're doing. Keep up that fight because this is the make or break point. I've been saying that this debt ceiling issue especially is going to make or break the future of the country for the next hundred years, depending on what we do with this bill right now. And you guys are on top of it. So thank you for what you're doing. Keep up that fight. Congressman, let's talk to you again here real soon. Thank you very much.